there is more caution in the air hitting equities, but not much else this morning. We'll look at why, what was in the beige book, and what the Bank of Canada did, or more to the point, didn't do overnight. Next up, it's the ECB, where the economy has been showing strong signs of recovery. Enough for the ECB to buy less bonds, or will they too put plans on pause? And the UK pushing taxes up. But will they also have a fire break lockdown in October? It's the morning call from NAB for Thursday, the 9th of September, 2021. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is up a bit today. Not much, though. uh, And it's actually down on the Japanese yen ever so slightly, but up 0.1% on the Swiss franc and 0.2% on the Canadian dollar. But it's fair to say no real big currency moves this morning. The Aussie dollar down 0.2%, 73.7 US cents. Stocks are adding to a sense of caution this morning, though. The Dow down a quarter percent. The S&P lost 0.1%. The Nasdaq is down 0.7%. Tech stocks generally not doing well this morning. Apple and Facebook have both lost 1.3%. For example, oil's up though, about one and a half percent for WTI, nudging closer to seventy US dollars. And ten-year Treasuries have reverse gear now down four basis points to one point three three percent. Mind you, yesterday when it was one point three seven three seven percent, it's not actually spent long there, has it? Since the since the middle of July. So let's look at all of this with Gavin Friend from NAB in London. So it's banks and tech that aren't doing well on the equity markets. I should also say the VIX indexes are on the rise a bit as well. So there is a bit more uncertainty. So how much of this is still the prospect of delayed temporary tapering after last week's jobs reports and how much of it is just a fear that the global recovery is slowing down or are people just looking at because it is largely confined to equities and just going well maybe they're a bit pricey yeah morning phil um so uh, i think i mean listeners will be aware markets have been waxing and waning a bit on the um, effect of the Delta variant on the Chinese and some Asia-Pacific economies, as well as you know, creeping evidence, it's hitting confidence and weighing on activity in parts of the US economy. I don't think the news here is changing quickly or a lot, but we, we know that the um, the labour market, the US labour market, is feeling the pinch. You know, from the non-farm payrolls last week, and you know, numbers such as the ISM employment components that was underlined wednesday by the u.s job uh, jolts jobs data for july uh, it's a little bit late a little bit laggard but uh, that showed that the gap between job openings and actual hirings has risen to four million so that's more than double what it was pre-pandemic it's the highest or the widest gap since what 2000 um, the, the the health and social care sectors are among the worst hit here, alongside finance, insurance, accommodation, and and food. A couple of hours ago, we had the um, the Fed's beige book, which gathers feedback from around the grounds, the various nationwide Fed districts, and found that uh, the economy had moderated in late July through through August as as COVID has prompted a pullback in what it described as sort of areas such as dining and travel. And, you know, we continue to have those supply constraints and a limited inventory of things like autos, automobiles and homes for sale. So that's all pushing up prices and hitting confidence. And so you've got corroboration, if you like, that this rolling over of parts of the global economy, significant parts of the global economy from the Fed, and as listeners may know, I mean, all of this, you know, um, is leading to some sort of sell-side forecasts, downgrades or warnings on US stock levels, to your to your point there. 
And we also know that, um, you know, investors have been sort of wearily watching China, you know, the run of regulatory crackdowns for a while now, which might, I mean, that might be good for the economy in the longer term if there is a, you know, better financial stability, you know, less what Beijing sees as sort of disorderly capital expansion and a curtailing of, I don't know, the business elite, as they like to say. But, um, you know, that process is going to be disruptive and it's ne- it's a negative for markets while it goes on. So n- now we might say that, you know, as as the vaccination rollout expands through China, through Asia, and, you know, generally some of the supply constraints should improve. For instance, if you think about, you know, better, higher vaccine levels lead to better manpower in, you know, Thailand production sites, that's that's an area that could help the supply. But it's all going to take time. And in the interim, we're left in this state of flux. So we so were all uh, too optimistic, weren't we, really, as to how quickly this was all going to happen, perhaps because we didn't expect that there would be this lack of confidence from workers. And that, that's what it is, isn't it? It's not lack of demand, because the, the JOLTS numbers showed that there's 10.9 million jobs there. So you don't put jobs out there if you haven't got the demand to meet those jobs. It's all on the supply side, isn't it? It's, it's people and materials, and people, probably, it's all the you know, lack of confidence. It, again, just as people don't want to go to restaurants, people don't want to work in restaurants as well if it's not seen as being a safe environment well that's right um i mean it's not uniform i mean if we look at europe europe's actually relatively removed from this at the moment it's got a higher vaccination rate than the u.s um in aggregate for the adults the adult population um data's pretty good it's rolling over a little bit but um is that enough to hold the markets up you know so i'm not saying that this is a constant state a steady state that we're going to be in markets wax and wane on any other day we can we can look at the the, the, the positive side but for the moment yeah, yeah. we're in this bit of a funk yeah well look I want to talk about Europe because of course it's the ECB tonight and then, yeah, you mentioned that, that people are eating out there I mean if you look at the Google Mobility Index for uh, visits to shops restaurants and entertainment that has been showing a steady rise since March particularly for Germany Italy and France and, and no sign of, uh, of that waning uh, just yet but before we do that let's look at Bank of Canada so before the ECB uh, the Bank of Canada did nothing. We weren't expecting them to do anything. No change to rates. Uh, and as previously discussed, no change to their QE program either. Uh, they also didn't change their forward guidance. So on this lack of news, um, well, not, not much movement. The Canadian dollar moved a little, didn't it? Bond yields fell, but actually fell less than US yields. So, so not much reaction because there wasn't much news. No, and I think you've got an election on the 20th of, of the month. That was a reason to be patient. We did see, remember, Q2 GDP unexpectedly fell in Canada, 1.1%. Markets were looking for an over 2% gain a couple of weeks back. So that's another reason just to sit on your hands for a little bit. Um, and I guess the one takeaway line that was slightly different from all this is the Bank of Canada did, did nod to inflation, saying that factors pushing it higher are expected to be transitory, a slight change from the previous are transitory. That really plays to the idea that I think all around the world, around around the developed world, we just don't know how long transitory is. We're getting more evidence. It plays to what the discussion we've just had about how long is how long will the supply constraints last? You know, I think we're learning gradually. Although we can see in the things like the PMIs and the ISMs that the, the, the prices index, the, the supply deliveries, the order backlogs are very slowly coming off peaks. It's glacial, the move. And we're all, I, think, I think the main focus is we could be in this situation for, for a year or more. We, we, nobody knows. And I think that's, that's the takeaway from that Canada now, uh, uh, report. It- 
In the UK, uh, I mean, we've been saying for a long time, haven't we, the UK's uh, acting as a bit of a petri dish because they've opened up, uh, even though they've got rising uh, cases, they're not too worried about it so long as hospital numbers don't get out of control. Uh, so here's another petri dish experiment in the UK. What about if you now start putting <laughs> putting uh, taxes up or national insurance, which is sort of like a flat rate tax, adding 1.25%. Uh, we talked about that yesterday. There was a vote on it just in the last couple of hours. It's got, it's, it has been passed. Uh, so uh, is there going to be much market interest in this? I mean, it, it doesn't kick in till next April, but it is curious. It's, it's happening outside a budget. They're not ruling out further tax rises. Uh, and it, I, I would have thought there'd be a concern that this might cut consumer spending, but also um, push wages up as well, add to uh, inflationary pressures. Well, I think you're right. It's certainly not. This is, this is a policy move that's certainly not without risk. The UK is the first one entering down this road. Uh, we don't know. It comes at a time where the UK economy is still struggling from, you know, the scars from Brexit. We don't, you know, we, we've not got through that yet. There's still plenty of issues there. Mm-hmm. Business investment in the UK. I mean, remember, the, the UK was the economy that really got hit the hardest you know just as it's looking to come back with some vigor you know you get this tax hike which takes taxes to the highest level since well before the war really the question is 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 the is the money going to be enough is it just going to be you know can they ring fence the money um actually national insurance you can't and the the, the worry is they'll be back for more later um and and even this you know, rub sand into the uh, into the into the wheels of the recovery. Now, interestingly, we had uh, some, some comments from the Bank of England today. They were various members, including Andrew Bailey, the governor, were testifying to Parliament. They weren't asked about this, but they've, t- they've been talking about you know raising how, interest rates. They, they were yes. split, an even split on whether they'd met the conditions to raise interest rates. It's almost as though the the, uh, the they're talking as though the UK economy is running out of control. Well, that's right. It's all about capacity constraints, and four four of the eight members there are normally nine but they've been they've lost one due to, due to losing the chief economist they've actually just got a new one back he joins next month he is supposed to be a bit of a hawk so at the moment to your point you've got four members that think those conditions i.e the elimination of spare capacity two percent inflation being sustainable is met the other four don't think it's met what does the new member hugh pill think um the 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 the, the one redeeming comment i guess from andrew bailey said just because we see that we're not actually in a situation where we think we need to do something about policy now. And one of the reasons or the reasons for that will be, you know, COVID uncertainty, um, you know, the idea that um, um, that they think the run up inflation is going to be temporary. So how far will it pull back? And now, of course, they're going to have to build into their models uh, tax rises. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And and, uh, one other thing coming out of the UK, but we will move on, uh, is, I mean, there's a rumour, the government has denied this, that they're going to, they're looking at a a fire break lockdown in October because hospital rises, almost 8,000 people in hospitals with COVID, which is the highest since March. And winter, obviously, just around the corner. Schools have just come back as well with lots of unvaccinated kids. So that's one to watch. Look, Australian weekly payroll numbers are out today. Yesterday, of course, we had some additional labour market data from the ABS for the June quarter. It showed more hours worked than before the pandemic. And the hours that people would like to work but couldn't, either because they're unemployed or because they couldn't get more work from their employer, also fell to pre-pandemic levels. So uh, 
Um, you know, if it wasn't for those blasted lockdowns, things would be looking very good in Australia, wouldn't they? But uh, perhaps a reality check with the payrolls numbers today. Yeah, so the, these are for the two weeks to August the 14th. Remember, the last ones to the 31st of July showed show payroll jobs 7.1% below pre, pre-lockdown levels. Um, and, you know, we can assume that weakness is likely, uh, you know, given, you know, what's going on with Victoria and then, uh, you know, the New South Wales in lockdown from the 5th of August. So we imagine that that's going to have some uh, impact on that. Right. Now, ECB tonight, we've been saying how things are more or less back to normal in terms of life in a lot of Europe. Does that mean the ECB will cut back on bond buying? Uh, so the answer to are they going to cut back in bond buying, the pace of bond buying in Q4 is yes. We've been thinking that for a long time now. We actually thought it in Q3, but we were wrong. Uh, we were too early. Um, you know, the recovery is is going is going well i'm sure they will um you know provide sentiments that they're more confident about the medium term trajectory of the economy but they won't want it to be seen they they won't want this to be seen as a taper for for them it isn't a taper you know the fed is buying 120 billion per month um until and it's open-ended they'll keep doing that until they taper in Europe, the ECB has an envelope worth 1.85 trillion, and it has flexibility within that envelope to pick up the pace, slow down the pace. It picked up the pace after the vaccine missteps uh, earlier in the year, in the spring, and now it is time to dial it back again. We've had plenty of ammunition from, plenty of comments from the hawks and the centrists on the ECB to say that that will happen. I just find it impossible to think that um, that they'll do anything other than that. But the way Christine Lagarde, the president, will dress this up, you will not think of it as a taper. It will be coached and couched in in dovish dovish language, and she will. I'm I'm sure she's going to say that if COVID were to Delta were to worsen, we stand ready to increase it again, all that kind of stuff. So we're not going to get the meat on this, really. What we're going to do with PEP? What we're going to do with the APP program until? after December that's when the big stuff comes okay we haven't left time to talk about China's CPI tonight but uh, we saw fall didn't we in PMIs a little so uh, I wonder whether that means the CPI numbers will will also be down today and uh, Guy DeBell from the RBA talking this afternoon at an online conference from Trade Tech FX so maybe he'll give his views on uh, on the current state of the economy and the Aussie dollar we'll find out later on today but we'll leave it there for now good to talk Gavin thanks Phil and if 14 minutes of Gavin friend is barely enough then you will be ecstatic to learn that he is back again tomorrow morning with me i'm phil dobby for now see you tomorrow have a great day